And welcome to Teach Me Something, the podcast where I investigate anything I want that I'm interested in, and I kind of convince you why it's actually interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm Melissa. And I'm Everett. And for the second week, wow, well, episode S- yeah. in a row, we are joined by our special guest, Warren. Hello. Warren's, I'm Warren. a, Warren's a history buff, especially Europe and mm, what, England. what time period would you say is your thing? Like, basically, Norman invasion to Napoleon. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's Warren's thing. And it's my thing, he's baby. Gonna, he's going to be here to just, you know, make jokes and add valuable tidbits of information. Be a fact checker, really. Well, sort Maybe. of. Yeah. I, honestly, she wrote a script. She did research. I think she's good. Well, we'll find out. You can fact check <laughs> okay. it. There's too many things in history for know. me to have got it all. Yeah, that is so, true. So um, we are on our second part of our three-part series on King Henry VIII. That's right. And part two isn't like King Henry the Ninth. It's just more about King Henry VIII. So is there a Henry the Ninth? No. No, there hasn't been a Henry since then, right? Be, 500 years? That'd be a very Is it like people, I mean, they use people it a don't want to so name they, their... People don't want to name I mean, these, these things go through cycles, right? It's true. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Last part, we started talking about just Henry's life. This part, we're going to finish up talking about Henry's life. Yeah. The next part, we're going to speculate on what diseases he may or may not have had. Yeah. That's the fun part, in my opinion. So. Yeah. And, um, well, and to catch you up, we talked a lot about the like climate that Henry VII found himself in after the War of Roses. Wars of the Roses. Wars of, Wars of the Roses with yeah. an S on the end there. We learned that Indeed. last time. They we did. Wars. Yes. And of roses. Double Indeed. plural. Yeah. Many plurals. Yeah, we talked about how Henry VIII, as a young man, was uh, charming and rational and amazing and beautiful and apparently the smart best dude ever. Yeah, the best at everything. Uh, fast forward until he marries the widow of his brother, mm. uh, who move. she may or may not have slept with. Yeah, we don't know. Only God knows. Yeah, well, and, then, and them and the Pope and yeah, because right. <laughs> God tells the Pope. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> his first wife doesn't uh, have much success in producing children, let alone male children. Henry Cheers sets his sights on a younger Anne Boleyn, and he wants to marry her, but he needs to get his marriage to Katharina, his first wife, annulled. And it wasn't going well. Right. And that's kind of where... Everyone was really just making a big thing about it. Yeah, it was the great matter after all. Indeed. So that's kind of where we left off. Last time. Yes. So let's uh, wrap up this great matter. How about you teach us something? Ooh, hey. Oh, hey. wow. Woo. There nice. are two of us here. So. Ad-lib. Slick. Improv. So the year is 1529 now, and Henry is tired of waiting for the Pope's decision because the Pope, as I was saying last time, does want to help Henry, feels like he can't, and hasn't said no, just hasn't said yes. Just been trying He's this whole time to convince sure. Henry to see it from his, yeah. So, Henry takes Katharina to the courts in England to divorce her. Ooh. Yes. Ooh, divorce. Yes. Ooh. So, Katharina at this trial maintains two important positions. One, that the trial was unlawful, because only the Pope could decide this, 
And two, that she had been a virgin when they married, and she never consummated the marriage to his brother, Arthur. She says to Henry at this trial that she had, quote, been a true maid without the touch of a man. Whether this be true or no, I put it to your conscience. Henry didn't answer. Ooh. That silent response was pretty telling. He probably did agree that he assumed she was a virgin. You can't actually tell, especially when you're the dude, but whatever. That he, well, he thought he could. Yeah, they right. thought. So that should have been enough at the time, but you know. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in trial, um, Katharina just kind of like made her points and then left. She was just like, bam, mic, dro- mic drop. She walks out, whatever. <laughs> Uh, Henry... Eat this testimony. Henry got yeah. mad. Uh, at this point, Anne's starting to use some of her influence over Henry to get him to read more Protestant literature, a lot of it critical of the papacy, since, you know, she's a devoutly religious reformer. Um, Henry's so mad at the Pope. This is the time for her to get in there, right? Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and at this point... Poke the wound. Henry yeah. decides... That it was his chancellor, Cardinal Wolsey's fault. He couldn't get his annulment. Oh, scapegoats! Yeah, his chancellor. This is the dude they go to to the Pope. If you can't do it, then you know you must be working against me. He was convinced he was actively working against the annulment. But this is the same chancellor that made sure Anne Boleyn didn't get married earlier. Uh huh. Mm, Great scapegoat. For both sides. I mean, it's almost Here's as if he was thing. completely inventing it so it wasn't his fault. It's yeah. almost as if somebody who had his ear played out her grudge against Cardinal Wolsey real good and got the king to turn against him. Yeah. It's what historians that. think. Is that Anne... Seems likely. Anne really hated this dude and she was whispering in the king's ear, you know? Mm-hmm. So Cardinal Wolsey gets removed from his position. And even though Henry then promised to help him... Wolsey is found guilty of supporting papal authority instead of the king. Then Henry changed his mind. And he pardoned him. And he gave him back the position of Archbishop of York. Hmm. York? Yes, he was Archbishop of York, apparently. Okay. Sure. That one in Canterbury are the important ones in England. Of course. Yes, Chancellor, Lord High Chancellor, or whatever the position is, sounds pretty... I mean, like Archbishops. Are... Mm. England had two archbishoprics, Canterbury and York. I see. Okay. But Wolsey uh, was not the forgive and forget kind. Hmm. So he's mad at Anne. <laughs> the cardinal. Not the forget. Okay, nope. I see. Okay, <laughs> just want to make that clear. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Religion is nothing but hypocrisy in this time period also. Yes. <laughs> that was not right. factual. Um, so <laughs> here's the thing is... Part of the reason historians are so sure Anne talked Henry into this is because Wolsey is sure. He thinks it's her fault. So he's going to go support Katharina. Covertly. Mm. Covertly. He's going to switch sides. Sure. Um, and it doesn't hurt that Charles V and the first also bribed Wolsey with a huge amount of gold and marquee status in the Duchy of Milan. Yeah, the thing oh. about bribes is they're usually pretty, like, influential. Nice. Can't hurt. Yeah, you yeah. would think. So, anyways, that is treason, by the way, <laughs> if you didn't mm. know. Anne found out about it. Uh-oh. Anne said to Henry, I will leave you if you don't arrest him. Hmm. Oh. Found out or fabricated? 
Who knows? Seems like there's a lot of evidence, especially with the bribe, that he was covertly working with. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Um, yeah. So Henry did have him arrested for treason. The cardinal died a natural death before his trial on the way to London. So we don't know if Henry would have really? changed his mind again. Like Na- in, natural? Yeah, like in a carriage. Like just never woke up. I don't know. Just one of those like weird. I did air quotes there, by the way. Who, yeah. knows, who knows why he died thing. Okay. Um, Thomas More became Henry's next chancellor. Um, even though he was like, Henry, I'm not okay with this annulment thing that goes against my ethics. So King Henry was like, oh, but I love you. Because this guy, this guy was Henry's like tutor growing up. He taught him everything. He was with him all the time. Sure. So he promised more if he takes the job, Henry would quote, never molest his conscience by making him fight on behalf of the annulment. Mm. Mm. Was that a yeah, good promise? Everyone can go. Uh, well, here's the thing. Feel like that's Here's the moment that if you didn't listen to the first episode, which would be a weird place to start. Anyways, um, or if you forget about it, we're nearing the king's 40th birthday. And that is a part of his life in which he all of a sudden is terrible. Buys the metaphorical Ferrari. Yeah. So he turns 40 the summer of 1531. Almost immediately after, he banishes Katharina and he banishes Mary somewhere else. Except to Mary, his daughter? Mary, his daughter, which uh, is important because there's lots of those two. Indeed. Katharina would never get to see her daughter again. Or her husband, but I... I think she was less Yeah, probably about less that. concerned about yeah. that. She did yeah. still kind of love him. Sure. Just saying, just saying. Henry also starts pushing harder at this point for Anne to be recognized as the queen, you know, in England and in the courts of Europe. Um, on September 1st, 1532, he gave Anne the title Marquess of Pembroke, which she could pass to any male heirs she bore even if they were illegitimate. He also gave her all the queen's jewels, which he had to order Katharina to hand over, which she did not want to do, but she Mm. had to. Henry took Anne as his queen to a very important peace talk with the French at Calais. Oh, Calais, yes. And it was very embarrassing for them. All of the noble women in attendance refused to acknowledge or socialize with Anne. Oh, French being snobby. Wow. Shocking. Very strange. No, here's the thing. Is to them, she was a mistress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if she was gonna give it away as a mistress, she threatened their power. Like, like there was a whole social taboo about. I like making fun of the French you. more. Yeah, because what if their husbands decided they could do this too? Oh, exactly. This is the only thing we have in life. Like you are taking it away from us. Um, but after that, that seems to have kind of convinced Henry he's gonna marry Anne. He's just gonna marry her. Doesn't care what the Pope says. Hmm. So they get married. Likely, November 1532, in a small secret ceremony in Dover, right after the comeback from Calais. Mm. So technically, at that moment, we do have... Bigamy. Bigamy, yeah. Okay. I have that right here in my notes. Now Henry was officially a bigamist. Great. You always say things right before I'm... (laughs) I just... He's got an eye for it. He's got an eye I just know, yeah. So that made Katharina mad again. Oh. And her supporters. Because, like, they really were Catholic. And they're like, this is just a terrible sin. I can't I can't even. He, yeah. uh, I don't want to be in a bigamist marriage, says Katharina. She is very upset. Mm-hmm. She pleads with the Pope, with Charles V, to invade England, maybe. Let's have another civil war. Let's do something. Yeah. Yeah. Charles. Toss it up a bit. Yeah. Wasn't actually Change that it. mad about what happened to Katharina. But he was kind of mad that Henry had replaced her with someone so common. Sure. It was oh, rumored yes. that Charles would have supported the annulment if the king had, quote, made a pseudo marriage and not a love marriage. 
What a jerk. Getting back to these love marriages, messing everything up. Yeah. Well, but he also wanted provisions put in place that kept Mary in the succession. That was important to him as well. Mm. Um, And Henry, he hated to be told what to do. Mm. Kings. So he had another wedding. Down again. So, oh, a second wedding. Okay. This one in London. Much less private than the first, but still not, you know, widely announced. Um, Perhaps they needed to have a more public wedding that January, because by mid-February, Anne started hinting she was pregnant. Uh, Got us. Yep, that would necessitate the wedding. Henry, of course, wanted the baby to be legitimate, because, of course, it could be a boy. Yeah, right. Just in case. So he did what anyone would do. He bribed the Pope. I mean, I did tell you. I mean, you didn't I try did, that before. Yeah, and I did say bribes are you know very persuasive. So they are. They really are. Yeah. So basically, Jesus loves gold. The Catholic Church at this point had warned all their ambassadors to cater to Henry and England at all costs to avoid like a final nail in the coffin situation. They did not want Henry to leave Catholicism. Yeah. Kid gloves. They're like, do anything you can possibly do for him besides the annulment. Don't do that. <laughs> Let him, let him be a, a bigamist, but so, don't annul the previous marriage. Yeah. Okay. So Henry contacted the person in charge of appointing the next Archbishop of Canterbury. There we go. And he paid the church a lot of money to appoint the person Henry wanted, Thomas Cranmer, hey. who was at the time an ambassador of Charles V. And then things really start moving because they have a trial on May 23rd. And by trial, I mean sham trial in which Cranmer pronounced Henry's marriage with Catherine to be against the law of God, because mm. he's the Archbishop of Canterbury, and apparently you can just do that. So, that well, Like is, I said, that's like the title of religious officer in England. So that they really is going around the Pope at this point. Right. So okay. then Cranmer goes one further and threatens to excommunicate Henry if he didn't stay away from Katharina. <laughs> <laughs> mm, what a nice. big threat. Damn. On May 28th, Cranmer officially validated Henry and Anne's marriage. You know, third time's the charm and all that. Yeah. So on June 1st, Cranmer personally crowned and anointed Anne the queen. Pope Clement V, or 7th, he's the 7th. Uh, he was furious. Yeah, he was furious. And a lot of other monarchs were trying to pressure him into just like not doing something to make England leave Catholicism further. But he was real mad. <laughs> So, as popes get on the 9th yeah. of July, he provisionally excommunicates Henry and his advisors, like Cranmer. But I don't know what provisionally. I don't know in that what that exactly implies in this scenario. Like, was it wasn't official like, yet, quite, or like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, he gave them until the end of September to repudiate Anne. That's not going to happen. No, on September 7th, Anne gives birth to Elizabeth, who hey. you may have heard of. Despite becoming an important monarch for England, she was demonstrably not a boy. Oh. <laughs> this very true. was disappointing. Very true. But Henry was actually happy because to him, this baby meant Anne was super fertile. Yeah, first, first baby, time, first, first try. try. <sighs> Great. Didn't die right away. Good that's sign. What, that's what I was saying. Sweet. Batting average up. Everything and was yeah. Catherine's fault after all. Woo! That's, Blame the Spanish. Yeah. Anne was known to be pregnant again by February 1534, but it's assumed that it ended in stillborn, stillborn or a baby that died kind of shortly after birth because, so there's references, many repeated references about the pregnancy until July, and then it's never mentioned again. Okay. So mm-hmm. it would have been a Early certain censorship. age. Yeah. 
1534 in November, Parliament passed the Act of Supremacy. Oh, yes. This declares Henry to be the head of the church in England. So the Catholics are furious. And they blame Anne. Of course. As you do. Because you can't blame the king, can you? No. And Anne's a Protestant, so. Yes. So we're really seeing this shift into tyranny all of a sudden from Henry. Because he used to, like, take a long time to execute anyone. Like, he went back and forth. He would try to find a way to get them. He changed his mind. Like, whatever. He didn't like to execute people. (laughs) <laughs> now, oh now he kind of oh seems to all of a sudden. So on May 4th, 1535, Henry had three priests and a monk executed. Their crime was that they wouldn't renounce their belief that the Pope was the head of the church. That is now treason in England. But he didn't just have them executed. He had them killed by hanging, drawing, and quartering. Oh. Which is when Ooh. you hang someone until they're almost dead. Then you take them down, disembowel them, castrate them... While they're still alive, so they could witness their own entrails being burned. Mm-hmm. Then they behead the body and cut it in quarters. And they would usually put those body parts all over just for yeah. know, a warning. Show of force. Yeah. As you do. On June 19th, three more priests. Three days later, beheaded a bishop. To be a little fair to Henry, though, this bishop one, yeah, I kind of get. Like, he was pretty openly defiant. He wrote a book defending Henry's marriage to Katharina. A whole book. Um, But the point to note is that Henry definitely has changed. Because this bishop has been actively publicly against him like this for eight years. Has been treasonous for eight years. He's been preaching match- like masses saying how wrong Henry is. He's been doing all this for eight years. Henry knew about it. It's yeah. fine. He wasn't happy about it, but, you know, he didn't kill the man. Um, and and it was sudden. People, it was really surprising. Uh, it might have happened because the Pope had made that bishop a cardinal just a few weeks before his execution. Oh. Um, <laughs> Probably, you know. To be fair, he didn't actually sense. make him a cardinal because Henry <laughs> wouldn't let the cardinal hat arrive from Rome. Oh. Doing everything he could to get that shit with the cardinal hat, which he needed to be the cardinal. <laughs> he wouldn't let that ship get the hat to that bishop. Probably just wanted it for himself. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh, he needed oh cool one. hat. <laughs> oh, I want that hat. And then on July 6th, Henry has Thomas More beheaded. This oh, the man guy who I just told you yeah. he loved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that one, and the last few, actually, executions were growing very unpopular with the people of England, especially because at first Henry made up reasons. But, like, for Thomas More, he never really gave a reason at all for killing him, which would make it an extrajudicial killing. And Yeah, a hit. Could really? at least You could at least try to make something up. <laughs> like... I mean, tre- he was throwing around treason pretty liberally. Didn't, yeah. didn't want to throw that on, on, on the pile there? I don't know. Yeah, he loved the man. He didn't want to accuse him of treason? I don't know. It makes no sense. Huh. This is the story. The story is he makes no sense. 1536 was a pretty crazy year for the English court. So in January, Katharina dies. There were rumors at the time that Henry poisoned her. Sure? Was she back in Spain at this point? No. Oh. She was where... Okay. She never Could went back. Been. No, she was where Henry banished her in England. Um, Henry wanted her to die alone. Oh. Forbid anyone from seeing her, including her daughter. Luckily for Katharina, her best friend, Maria de Salinas, who had come over from Spain with her, so like 35 years they've been here together, she was able to sneak in past the guards to be with her on her deathbed. And I have a fun fact about Maria de Salinas. Got it. She is an ancestor of Lady Diana Spencer. 
Oh, really? So her descendants will actually sit on the English throne soon. Oh. <laughs> Ish. Soon. I'm not planning to treat That's that. That's I'm not, I'm not saying it. Soon. Like, I mean, it is, though. Soonish. Soonish. Her descendants watch sit on the throne. So that's kind of cool. Um, Katharina actually wrote a note to Henry on her deathbed begging him to take care of Mary, forgiving him for everything he did to her. She ended it by saying, Lastly, I make this vow that mine eyes desire you above all things. She signed it, Katharina, the Queen of England. What a good Catholic. Yeah. Repent on the deathbed. Yeah. I mean... I mean, I guess it's she not didn't really, really She didn't do anything wrong. She wasn't repenting. She was just telling him she still loved him and please, and I forgive you and all that I'm stuff. I'm guessing he didn't actually take care of Mary. <laughs> well, you would know. When they told Henry about her death, what do you think he said? Yay. He yelled. This is yelled. reported. He yelled, God be praised that we are free from all suspicion of war. <laughs> the next day. Okay. Great. Him and Anne celebrated. They hosted feasts, dancing, jousting, both of them dressing in the color yellow, which was a symbol of joy. Oh. They're classy. Yeah, very yeah. very nice. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, and Henry confiscated Catherine's estate and kept it all for himself, ignoring entirely her will mm-hmm. and Mary. Just like Catherine's father no did to her endings. mother. This is exactly how this happens. Uh, at this point, Anne was pregnant again. Henry gets in a terrible jousting accident. He's knocked unconscious for over two hours. Damn, Ooh, that's a that's lot. That's not, real bad for your brain. Yeah. Two days after the accident, Anne has a, another miscarriage. For mm-hmm. sure this time. A male baby. So this also happened to be the day of Katharina's very insultingly small funeral. Oh, damn. That the miscarriage happened? Yes. Okay. Charles V sent Henry a diplomatic olive branch at this point. Telling him, if you just get rid of Anne and make a fit marriage, we will completely reconcile all of our differences. We'll be cool. Seems kind of easy. Holy Roman Emperor being a snob. Shocking. Well, there's a question of how much did this end up influencing Henry? Because you may or may not know we're getting pretty close to Anne's eventual demise. Are you suggesting to me that Henry may have had more wives? Then two? No, surely couldn't. Yeah, we're not going through them very fast. You know, when I was writing, I had the same thought. I'm like, how have I only got? There's so many more wives to go. Well, like there's a a ramp up. It ramps up. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So on April 25th, the king actually writes a defense of his marriage to Anne. But he he was thinking of other women. He'd recently began to court Jane Seymour. By the way, from a prominent Catholic family. So here's a theory. A theory. Goes, Anne has a hot temper. That was kind of well known. She gets mm-hmm. in a fight with a court member in which she said something that could be interpreted as treasonous if you take it out of concept, whatever. The theory is she's got enemies. Catholic enemies. Someone overheard this and knew they could twist it. And that's why Anne gets beheaded suddenly uh, May 19th. Damn. So yeah. how long have they actually been married for? Is that um, your next sentence? <laughs> That was not my will next be. sentence. Yeah. Okay. Officially or from when Henry first... Oh, let's say official. Let's just say official. Did, did we just hit four years? This is, this is 1536. And they got married in 1532. Uh, well, right, right so at the end. Years, officially yeah. Yeah, good, 1532. Good four-year marriage. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. But 
This marriage was never annulled. It just ended. So now that heir well, is legitimate. it's much easier to just cut her head off. We still haven't learned, though, the real reason. The the reason they charged her. Was it probably adultery. And put her to death. Yes. So adultery was The official said. reason was that she was sleeping around. No matter how much evidence there was, it was just court gossip. Sure. Um, along the way, Henry also tortured and killed many of the men she reportedly was sleeping with, which she wasn't really. Including one of Anne's musicians... Anne's brother. Oh. Yeah. That was probably definitely not true. And one of Henry's oldest friends, Henry Norris. They grew up yet together as brothers Henry. in the same castle. And yet, Henry just offs him. Okay. So, Henry was already engaged. He's getting into it at this point. <laughs> yeah, he's getting... Oh, it goes wow. fast. Executing goes people fast. is actually fun. Yeah. He was already engaged to his third wife, Jane Seymour, before Anne had been dead 24 hours. Of course, yeah. it's impressive. The metaphor. I just want to say, I just want to say, poor Jane. So here is here is one description I found that encompasses what everyone tries to say about Jane. Quote: For historians and lay people alike, the biggest mystery about Jane Seymour is what Henry found so captivating about her in the first place. She had nothing to recommend her. She wasn't beautiful, nor vibrant, nor smart, and hers was not a powerful family. Really? That's Jane Seymour for you guys. She was a nothing. Oh, wow. Poor girl. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, there the theory is she was very heavily manipulated by her Catholic family. She was used kind of, you know, as pawn. Um, she got married to Henry May 30th, 11 days after Anne's execution. Um, so, in 1536, in just five months, Henry's first wife had died. He'd almost died. His second wife had miscarried another son. He'd killed that wife. And he married a third wife. So we'd gone half a year? Five months. Five. Okay. Not quite half a year, yes. He was a little busy. Yeah. A little bit busy. Um, So politically and religiously, everything was... uh, Upside down? Chaotic. Yeah. So the new Anglican church is taking shape. This is making both the Catholics and the Protestants angry. Yeah. Henry was using a strange mishmash of Reformation ideas and traditional Catholic dogma in his new church. Yep. He officially rejected the Pope, meaning he could execute Catholics who don't want to do that, you know? With impunity, basically. Because he's the head of the church. Yeah. But he also adamantly believed the Catholic doctrine that the body and blood of Jesus were literally present in the communion bread and the wine. That's called the transubstantiation of the host. Indeed. Right. Okay. So, Protestants don't believe that. No. So. That's heresy. That particular belief let him execute Protestant reformers who believed the communion was metaphorical. Right, because they're heretics. Right. Got it. Okay. So the parliament also passed legislation called the Act for the Dissolution of Monasteries, which basically just took all the wealth from monasteries and put it in the royal treasury. Right. That's a I'm not even mentioning all the people that are probably influencing Henry to make decisions like this because it would get way too long if I did mention all of them. Well, I mean, I don't know if you need a lot of motivation to get a whole bunch of money. No, No, but there is lots. His advisors, his chancellors, you know, I'm sure you've heard. Cranmer was behind a lot of this. Cromwell, or what's his face? Cranmer. Yeah. Cromwell was later. Yeah. So, meanwhile, things are pretty rocky with Mary, his daughter Mary. Henry was still trying to have his marriage to Catherine declared invalid. She threatens to behead Mary if she refuses to agree with both his claims about that Catherine thing and his right to the supreme head of the church. Mm-hmm. But Mary is Catholic, like her mother. So Super both Catholic. these things are blasphemy to her. Yeah. 
But disagreeing is treason. And she's like, what do I do? Yeah. Okay, a lot of other Catholic courts from around Europe were like, don't worry, dear. Just do what he says. Don't die. Say what he wants you to <laughs> don't say. Don't die. Yeah. We'll get those statements declared invalid because your life was under. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so she goes home. She signs a document saying she agrees with Henry. And uh, that doesn't. So wow, now, they let women sign things? Yeah. Wow. Well, if, it, if it's to declare themselves illegitimate. Okay. So now yeah. Henry is declared <laughs> Mary illegitimate, Elizabeth illegitimate. So including Henry Fitzroy. That meant the king only has three illegitimate children to pick his heir from. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but Henry is getting real paranoid at this point. He doesn't want to declare any successor because he's worried whoever he declares is going to kill him and take the throne from him. Mm. So he's going to soon have one less option to choose from, though, because Henry Fitzroy dies. 1536 from some illness. The king orders a secret burial for him because he didn't want people to panic over the lack of succession. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> um, he was hoping to keep it hidden until he had another son somehow. But then he, I don't know, forgot he said that because when he, he found... Forget. No, seriously. This is a sign that he's like actually legit crazy, not just like... Anyways. So he found out his son didn't receive a huge extravagant funeral. He flies into a rage and threatens to imprison and behead everyone involved in the planning. Why didn't they give him a state funeral? What is wrong with them? You've wow. done the wrong thing. After ordering them to do the exactly, okay. That's Men- so mental illness is suspected here. Okay, that's what we're. That's what I'm getting at. That this is not just a normal level of mm-hmm. crazy. Um, and then by so so the people of England are just over this, right? They're over Henry. <laughs> um, here's what happened. A rumor starts going around England. Because they had really bad harvests at this time, too. Like, really bad droughts, oh, yeah. droughts and famine. Like, just, ugh. So, the rumor was that Henry was the mold warp of ancient prophecy. That's spelled M-O-U-L-D warp. Mold warp. So, that's an old word for a mole, by the way, in Old English. Oh. So. He was a mole. Merlin. We're talking about Merlin. This is why I included this, because it's funny. Merlin had foretold. The magician. Yes. Okay. There would one day be an evil king called the mold warp. Mm-hmm. The mold warp would seem good at first. He would seem amazing, but then he'll be revealed as an agent of the devil. Mm. So you can see why there's some parallel here. Yeah, yeah but I other other people didn't believe these silly stories. Their explanation was that Henry was just cursed by God. Sure, that's that the more it. logical explanation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, right now Henry's mental health, his physical health, it's deteriorating like shockingly fast. So he's paranoid, angry all the time. He's depressed. He's anxious. He had developed oozing leg ulcers. He Ooh. gained a ton of weight. And somehow Jane still ended up pregnant in 1537 on October 12th. God bless her. Maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah. She had an amazing capacity to just close her eyes and go for it. <laughs> Jane Maybe. gives birth to baby Edward on hey, October 12th. Edward. The people of England rejoice. They finally have yeah. their male heir. There's processions and special masses and bonfires and free food and wine for all. Yeah. A 2,000-gun salute even fired from the top of the Tower of London. Until she's randomly executed? Uh, no. He, he's? <laughs> oh, she. no. He was asking about the wife. Yeah. Oh, Jane. Um, yeah. No, Jane, mm-hmm. no. He didn't have to kill her. Uh, she dies of purple fever, which is also called childbed fever, yeah. less than two weeks after giving birth. Damn. Oh, see, um, I thought they had all been... I'm learning something. I thought they had all been beheaded. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Maybe, he didn't murder all of them. He didn't murder Catherine. Well, probably didn't murder Katharina. Maybe he poisoned her. Probably the, didn't, though. That was the probably one I didn't. thought. 
I thought that the first one had just died and that the rest had all been beheaded. Mm, but I was see. wrong. You'll see. So the thing is that Henry didn't make an effort to look like he cared. <laughs> she was on her deathbed. And then he went yeah. hunting and basically kind of got mad at her saying, you're the one choosing not to come with me if you want to be with me so bad, like while she's dying in bed. Yeah. So apparently, health, eh? apparently during Edward's difficult birth, there was a moment where they asked Henry, if it comes to it, should we save the mother or the baby? And Henry replies, quote, save the baby. I can always get another wife. Anyways, it's not surprising then that... That was the motto of his life at that time. <laughs> it's not yeah. surprising then that most families don't want to marry their female relatives to a fat, aging monarch with oozing legs and a penchant for having wow. his wives end up dead. Especially, like I said, with that little pesky room where he also did poison Katharina. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, I mean, unless you had, you know, a female relative that you didn't want to live... But you females could... weren't that important to want to scheme to kill for, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's I not so. really, like, that's worth, that's way too much effort for yeah, people that like don't have that. any power. Mm-hmm. Okay. But Henry thought he was still a catch, okay? He's not just going to marry. Well, I mean, Mary. you know, kings are kings, <laughs> yeah. even if they're pieces of shit. Yeah. He had this special portrait painter that he appointed to go out to paint people that he wanted to match with to make sure that they were beautiful enough to meet for the first time. Mm-hmm. Right. That is how they did it back in the day, which yeah. is actually kind of cool to think about. It's kind of like... The ended. number of portraits painted over the next three years was quite a lot. Somehow the young women in question were universally uneager to be <laughs> wed to Henry. Wow, shock. And the negotiations kept mysteriously falling apart. Um, during this time, he had most of his maternal extended family, the Plantagenet. Plantagenets. Plantagenets. I think. Executed executed for a variety of implausible and far-fetched mm-hmm. reasons. Um, he was officially excommunicated by the Pope in 1538. Now, sure. It's official nice. now. Um, and, Took a and, sweet time. Well, rather than approach the religious problems in his country with something like logic or reason, which we can agree if you listened to the first episode, he used to possess. Yep. Instead... What he does in 1539 is pushes an act through Parliament called the Six Articles. Oh, yes. Now, this act destroys any hope of religious freedom. What it does is it lays out six of Henry's key personal beliefs and says, these are now the key personal beliefs of the country on penalty of treason. Mm -hmm. So they're often referred to as the whip with six strings. And the thing is, is that instead of just making one side angry... He made everyone everybody. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, because the six beliefs include Catholic dogma, like I was talking about before, the transubstantiation of the host. Mm-hmm. Um, the Catholics, like I said, they took it a little more seriously than the Protestants. Um, if you didn't believe in transubstantiation, you could now be burned for it. But again, the Catholics were mad because it said Henry is the king or the head of the church and not the Pope. Mm-hmm. So now he could kill everyone legally for anything, really. <laughs> he could. Um, Just everybody. Yeah. yeah. These <laughs> new laws caused someone you might have heard of, uh, Martin Luther, to say, quote, The devil sits astride Henry so that he vexes and plagues Christ. Damn. I also liked this this quote that another reformer said, Henry has destroyed the Pope, but not Popery. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah, a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good one. Yeah. Parliament was in Was that Shakespeare? <laughs> Parliament was informed that, quote, His Majesty desires above all things that diversity of religious opinion be banished from his dominion. <laughs> yeah. Subtle. I yeah. Don't think there is... I mean, at least they were honest about it. That, I was yeah. going to say, that's why I included that quote. It was very blunt. Plus, there's been lots of leaders that want to uh, abolish religious 
diversity through time. True. Yeah. It was especially popular around this time. Yeah. Uh, But not many of them did it by making themselves the religious leader. That was the step beyond. True. Yeah. Yeah, so if you are unaware, what Henry is doing right now is creating the beginnings of the Anglican Church. If you're ever Mm -hmm. like, what do Anglicans believe? I mean, it's not all that. I'm not saying. Hmm. They they might have changed something. Yeah. Yeah. It's essentially the answer to that. Right. Um, But even Henry had a hard time with this middle way that he was trying to figure out because he just, like I said, kind of mentally ill. He seemed to change his mind all the time, change with his moods. So he held some ceremonies sacred, like covering statues for Lent and crawling to the cross on Good Friday. And then the next year, he would turn around and suddenly forbid them on penalty of death for like just no discernible reason. It's out of fashion Um, this year. Yeah. (laughs) And then there's a funny one. So they showed the initial draft of the bishop's book to Henry. And there is a section that describes which traditions and practices they're going to declare theologically unsound. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which are things you can't do. So Henry goes through the list and just crosses out anything he likes to do. <laughs> like lucky days, astrology. He's like, nope, these are fine. <laughs> just crosses them out. <laughs> Anglicanism. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Back to finding Henry a fourth wife, though. Because they hadn't stopped trying. They're still painting portraits other royals and nobles have not stopped saying no to him. Henry reaches out to William, Duke of Cleves. Oh, Cleves. To, to try to make an alliance through marrying one of the Duke's two sisters. So I have never heard of Cleves, so I looked it up, and here's what I know, is that Cleves was a state of the Holy Roman Empire located in the northern Rhineland. So mm-hmm. Germany. Okay. Yes, Germany. Germany. Yes, it Germany. wasn't Germany back then, but it's Germany. It was the Holy Roman Empire. Yeah, exactly. William mm-hmm. of Cleves was also fighting both Charles V and the Papacy. So Henry was like, uh-huh. he'll help me. Sure. But William was a Catholic. But he wasn't super into it. So, well, I mean, he was fighting the papacy. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't super yeah. into it. But, importantly, he also has family ties to something called, I'm not going to say this right, the Schmalkaldic League. Oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah. Schmal- Did I say Schmal- that right? I, I, know what, I know what you're talking about. I don't know how to pronounce it either, but I know what you're talking about. Um, All you need to know is that they were... Protestant. A league of important Protestant countries. Well, I mean, they had to band together or else the emperor was going to kill a lot of them. Right. So this marriage could therefore tie Henry to the Protestants. It it could be good. This this could be okay, is is what he's thinking. So, Henry needs to send out his his portrait artist to paint the sisters Anna and Amelia. Um, Anna, who the English call Anne for some reason, which I don't get. Like, Anna is a German name and we don't have that name in English. Well, I mean, they were were in a hurry, so they had to drop that last letter. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't be going around saying that many syllables all the time. Uh, That would have been too much work. So he chose Anna. She was the older sister. She was 24 years, exactly half of Henry's age. Uh, Signed a marriage contract, 4th October, 1539. So Anna travels from Cleves to Calais, where she's met by hundreds of aristocrats. They spend time together, two weeks together, because apparently the weather was so bad, they didn't want to sail across the channel because they got to be real safe here. Yeah. <laughs> Cannot yeah. kill this lady in the channel. Um, during this time, a lot of the nobles, including the Lord High Admiral, Admiral, Admiral yep. okay. wrote of how attractive, pleasant, graceful, just how wonderful she was, and they thought that she would appeal to Henry. But, unfortunately, something happens to Anna as she's touring her way through England on the way up to meet Henry. So, she is standing at her window on New Year's Day, watching the festivities. Six men in matching cloaks and hoods burst into her room. Uh-oh. One of the men grabbed Anna, grabbed Anna, kissed her, 
claiming that he and his men had come on behalf of the king to give her a token of the king's affection. So, you know, he gives it to her. She's like, thanks? What? He's super confused. (laughs) Turns around, looks out the window again. This guy keeps trying to talk to her, and she's like, what is happening? Like, what the heck? The fact that she didn't speak English wasn't also exactly helpful Mm. in the socializing. Of course. Um, So, unfortunately for Anna, that messenger she didn't bother to socialize with was Henry. Oh. Apparently, oh. apparently, the romantic etiquette at the time in England or area was for a noble suitor to greet greet his betrothed in disguise, so they could fall in <laughs> oh, love at first sight naturally. Oh, boy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Of course. And Anna was raised in the strict atmosphere of a German court. They had that reputation back then. <laughs> they didn't Which was do. Definitely they not didn't the play same. cards. They didn't do music. They didn't do all that. You know. Germans, fun-loving people. Right. Yeah. You know. A woman reading, so reading romance um, stories and whatever was how this kind of spread throughout Italy and Spain and England where it happened, this practice. But in, in Germany, a woman would not be allowed to read such a frivolous thing. Did so they let them read at all? Yes, but only like, you know, the Bible. Oh, okay. Like, you know, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, they were Good, approved. solid There's German approved. literature. Right. Yeah. So, so she just didn't know about this. <laughs> the king oh, leaves dear. her room, takes off his disguise and comes back. Anna does her best to salvage it. Oh, is bad. So not off to the greatest of stories. No. Yeah. No. So Henry, of course, takes that as rejection. Yeah. Because she didn't fall in love with him at first sight. Mm-hmm. And he did that thing that jerks do at bars when they get rejected, and he decided she's a lesbian. I never want to do anyways. Mm. You were ugly. You're ugly that's anyways. The, that's the yeah. It's either lesbian or that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I would like to keep pointing out that. All evidence points to the fact that she was not ugly in reality. Yeah. He saw her portrait. It was just fine. Everyone that saw the portrait was like, that's what she looks like. Anyways, yeah. we've seen the portrait. Anyways, she wasn't ugly. Let's just throw that out there right now. Henry then dubs Anna to his court. The great Flanders mayor oh. decides he wants nothing more to do with her. He stomped around yelling things like, I like her not. And he would just yell about it. And claiming to everyone who ever told him she was pretty that they were a miscreant who shouldn't be trusted. Oof. So, at this point, the courtiers know where their bread is buttered. And they all quickly realized how ugly she was. Yeah, wow. Emperor's new wife. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, through a lot of history, and you'll find it, I'm sure, today even in textbooks... Anna of Cleves has been portrayed as a hideous, grotesque woman that Henry was duped into marrying because she's so ugly. Anyways, that's propaganda, everyone. She was not ugly. Um, so I would like to point out, if, if, if Anna was really that ugly and duped because, let's say, the painting wasn't correct, which is the main, you know, accusation, yeah. someone would have died. I mean, come on. <laughs> Some, yeah. If Someone the painting had, had been doctored, do you really think that painter would have kept his head attached to his body? Do you really think Henry would have kept him employed as the court portrait artist? No. 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 So anyway, she's not ugly. <laughs> but Henry's advisors try as they might can't find a way out of this marriage for him. Well, Henry knows a way, though. So Henry goes through with the wedding on January 6th, even though he complained about it constantly. Yeah. He complains to Cromwell... Mm-hmm. Cromwell comes in the story now after the wedding night that he liked Anna even less now because Cromwell was Wait, like Cromwell? Yeah. Cram- not Cramer? Nope. Cromwell. Now we're at Cromwell. Which Cromwell? Thomas? I don't know. 
Cromwell. Okay. I think it's Thomas, isn't it? I mean, there was a very famous Cromwell later who be. No, that's him. No, I mean like the later one who killed Charles the First and became the. Oh, I see. Dictator. Okay, no, this this guy this guy is also very important in English okay. history. <laughs> Anyways, there can he, be multiples. He thought we well, have learned that. Yeah. I just don't remember what his first name is. Sure, you could Google it while I'm talking. I I'm that would busy be rude. right now. I don't know. Um, here's the thing. Cromwell thinks after the wedding night, Henry must must be happier. He got laid, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so Henry says, I like her even less now because, quote, I felt her belly and her breasts and decided they were loose. Oh. Which means she's not a virgin, Henry's decided. Because that's how it went back then with science and women. Oh, he's, he's got a really stunning track record of being right about things at this point of his yeah. life. So yeah. obviously he knows the best. Yeah. Therefore, it was totally Anna's fault for being gross and ugly and not a virgin and nothing to do with Henry. When he reports to Cromwell, he couldn't get it up to consummate his marriage with her. Oh. He tells his doctors that, quote, he finds the queen's body in such sort disordered and indisposed to excite and provoke lust in him. And that he could not in any wise overcome that loathsomeness, nor in her company be provoked or stirred to that act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Again, clearly it's not Henry's fault. It's probably told, one of those lies that he, told, he just convinces himself of. Oh, yeah, because yeah. he told literally everyone who would listen. I think we all know of a narcissist or about narcissists that keep, that keep you know, saying the same lie over and over so many times that, yeah, they might believe it. Uh, it's we, probably we never really political know. leaders that do that, though. No. No, definitely no. not. No. So <laughs> he would tell everyone who would listen to him he was still so potent of a man he was constantly experiencing plutiones nocturnes in sumo. Oh. I don't know Latin, but I can guess what that means. Is well, that... just in case you ever wanted a fancy Latin way to say wet dreams. Yeah, okay. So, I was I guess. Feeling, so yeah. it's not his fault, and he'll tell everyone about his wet dreams in Latin. Um, <laughs> so, what, a, what a popular chap. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so Henry desperately Very wants to get parties. rid of Anna, not only because of all her perceived faults, but he's fallen in love with someone else. Nice. That can actually, you know, help him get up and do the job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens when you're 16, I guess. Ooh. So Ooh, this yeah. new lady yeah. love is Catherine Howard. Mm. The teenaged niece of the Duke of Norfolk, mm. which is very important. Duke of Norfolk. He's very important. Um, and a cousin. She's a cousin of Anne Boleyn. Cousins, As you do. cousins are so far apart. Don't worry about that. Oh, cousins. cousins okay. Um, cousins yeah, so, so she's an orphan and she only really has her her uncle, to kind of protect her. Um, at this point, Henry has... Oh, here, I wrote it right here. Thomas Cromwell, named Earl of Essex, High Chamberlain of England, and the Chancellor of the Exchequer, and some other titles, and some other honors. And he good, says to him... Guy. He says to him, it's now your job, now that I've given you all of this, to get my marriage with Anna annulled. Go. Off to the races, boy. Well, Ooh, he didn't give a posthumous, too. He didn't give him long. It wasn't even two months later. It was June 10th that Henry has Cromwell imprisoned in the Tower of London. Uh-huh. So some historians think that he was kind of like toying with Cromwell and he had this whole evil plan to give him promotions to make him feel like he was safe and then like whatever. I think it was just the random mentally ill thing. But, sure. you know, he was officially arrested for promoting religious reform. But the real reason was that Henry blamed Cromwell for getting him into this marriage with Anna in the first place, and she's so ugly, so he lied. Or whatever. Um, Henry sends Anna away. Scapegoats. Yeah, (laughs) scapegoats. Anna's like, all right, 
good because she's kind of worried her head's getting cut off, you know. So Given the track record. The clergy are very scared of Henry, given how many priests he kills. So hmm. they are going to find him his excuse to annul. They end up going with the reasoning they'd never consummated their marriage. Done. Easy. Great. Sure. Yeah. On July 9th, he annuls the marriage. Henry offers Anna of Cleves the official position of his sister in court. I don't know. You can do that apparently. Uh, okay. So this is a great deal because like she couldn't have been happy in this marriage, right? Like we we all know that yeah. she yeah. could not have been yeah. happy. And that what protects the the treaty with no. Cleves. Here's the thing: uh, she now oh. doesn't have to go home to Cleves because she doesn't want to go home. England's much better. She likes it much better. Cleves is strict and boring and terrible. And German. And yeah. she would have to go there penniless, disgraced, and be supported by, like, an uncle or, you know, some... It would be yeah. bad. So she gets to stay in the English court. She gets to be the highest-ranking lady in court besides the current queen and Henry's daughters as his sister. She gets to attend all the functions. She gets to just... This seems like a good deal. Yeah. Right? I would totally take that. She also gets multiple <laughs> manor houses and an annuity out of that arrangement. So nice. she says, yes, please. So, I will give you this money to not be married to me. Yeah. Thank God. She can't. Oh, yeah. So despite writing a long letter supporting the annulment and begging for mercy, Henry does have Thomas Cromwell executed July 28th. And like I was trying to say, Cromwell does a bunch of important things. I just don't have time to talk about them. Yeah. So he's important. Um, he's executed July 28th, the same day Henry marries Catherine Howard. Good job, Henry. He's so nice. classy. He likes to line up He's these so things, classy. doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess maybe Noble he executed points. so many people that, like, when you go back through it, there just wouldn't have been dates that didn't coincide. <laughs> That's true. You know? That's a good um, point. But Catherine, Catherine's different from Henry's other wives. Again, she is not super high class, right? She's an orphan. She's only mm-hmm. the niece of the Duke of Norfolk. Anyways, so she grew up as a lady-in-waiting for a duchess. So she lives in a dorm full of other teenage girls. She's pretty flirtatious. Men are constantly falling in love with her. She liked the attention. She's 16. Of course she did, right? So yeah. before moving to Henry's court, Catherine had a relationship with a man named Francis Dereham who wanted to marry her. And the relationship was sexual in nature. Unfortunately for Catherine, several people, including the girls at the dorm, you know, some of the other people, they Uh-oh. knew that. Uh-oh. Once at court, she attracted Uh-oh. the attention of one Thomas Culpepper, known for being a ladies' man and also a rapist and murderer. So, oh, great. Yeah. So a stand-up dude. Yeah. So great dude. Quite akin to the the king then. <laughs> Thomas Culpepper liked Ugh. to prey on low peasant women so mm. he could murder their families and not get accused of rape. Anyways, he's not a good person. But they had a brief relationship. They broke it off, possibly because at this point she's caught the king's eye. Marrying Catherine was an idiotic political move <laughs> that was probably going to alienate his Germanic allies. But Henry just doesn't seem to care about politics anymore. He just does what he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, his people are dying of disease, sleeping sickness. No, that's it. Sweating sickness, sorry. Oh. Is coming around in plagues. Everyone's dying of it. Droughts plagues are, are a thing. Droughts are still yeah. happening, yeah. So, you know, Henry doesn't care. He is hunting. He is feasting. He is dancing. He is trying very hard to impregnate his new bride. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, jeez. And Catherine is a teenager. Yep. She's not forward thinking, you know? Yeah. The scheming you would need to stay alive in the situation. So she appoints lots of her friends from the Duchess's house to her court. Uh-oh. She Ooh, made talk. Francis Dereham her private secretary. Oh. He was Uh-oh. also not wise because he would go around court bragging that he was the queen's favorite and saying things like, if the queen were to die, I'm sure I might marry her. 
which I'm sure what? I might. If the king were to die. If the king were to die, oh, I'm the king sure were to die. I might okay. marry her. Hard to marry dead people. Yeah. Um, that's treason. You're not allowed to even say if the king died. Anyways, so, so he's not smart. Um, Catherine at this time also reestablishes a flirtation with Thomas Culpepper. Uh-oh. Both swore it never went beyond words. Unfortunately, Catherine trusts the wrong lady-in-waiting to help her meet up with Culpepper. Uh-oh. The court gossip mill kind of takes care of the rest. Um, but that actually wasn't the first shoe to drop here. In November 1541, enemies of the Duke of Norfolk, remember that's Catherine's uncle, yep. they find out about her past relationship with Francis Dereham, and the truth comes out as well as a whole bunch of lies, but... Sure. Some of it was true. Colonel of Truth is all you really need. So yeah. on December 10th, Dereham is executed by that lovely thing we talked about, hanging, drawing, and quartering. Oh, nice. He was killed, quote, for stealing what belonged to the king. Which <laughs> just, is... Just but, say treason. Jeez. Yeah. Nope, nope. He stole her virginity, which was the king's officially. So, you know. God damn. Culpepper was beheaded because he was too noble to torture. So he just gets mm. a simple beheading. Mm-hmm. The lady in waiting who arranged their meetings, who also was one of the ones who pretty much got Anne Boleyn killed. She was Anne Boleyn's brother's wife. Anyways, she got executed too. Of course. Um, eventually. Because like at first, trail above the well, at first yeah. she has a full mental breakdown in prison. And the prison officials said, nope, legally she can't stand trial for her role in facilitating this adultery. Uh, she is insane. You can't do it. But the king... King Henry, he passes a new law which officially allows the execution of the insane for high treason. So he can't do Yeah, well, that's yeah, what he king. wanted to do. So Yeah, yeah. Catherine is beheaded February 13, 1542. And Henry isn't going to marry again for a whole 18 months. Oh, wow. He oh, really wow. waited. Yeah. So That is a long time for wait, him. Waited yeah. again is the wrong thing. I mean, it's hard to find a lady who isn't too ter- terrified yeah, to I marry mean, you at this point when you're Henry VIII. It's also hard when you pass crazy draconian laws like Henry passed one which legally required any woman who married the king must tell him if she was a pure and clean maid, (laughs) if she lied, or if anyone else knew about it and didn't tell the king, they're going to be put to death for treason. We're just expanding treason to just be like, if you breathe, Anything Henry doesn't like is treason. So luckily for all involved... No one has to worry about that for his last wife. She was a widow who'd already been married twice. Everyone probably knew she was no maid. Mm-hmm. Um, as a kind of odd twist of fate, Henry's sixth and final wife was the goddaughter and namesake of Henry's first wife, Katharina of Aragorn. Hmm. She was, you know, Catherine. That's interesting. Catherine Parr. Oh, yeah. There you go. So, three Catherines. Catherine, yeah. I told, I said this in the first episode, but he did like to recycle the names. Yeah. Mm. So the, what? That was two Anne's, three Catherines. Yeah. Well, I guess if you use the English word Anna, Anna. Yeah. Yes. Anna, Anna. Yeah. 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 Jane's okay. the Jane's all Jane. out there. Oh, okay. Well, unique. Jane, Jane, yeah. Jane. So, um, Parr. She was a mature thirty-one years old. Oh wow. She'd already married twice. She married Henry in fifteen forty-three. No one really understood why Henry would choose her. Since, obviously, there seemed to be no more chance of children, she hadn't had any with her other husbands, so yeah. probably she couldn't. Or, Well, some historians think he did that on purpose. He was like, that's one of the reasons he chose her. Because, okay, he was old. He was I mean, he had Edward at this real point, right? sick. Yeah. And he was hugely obese. 
The theory goes that for any one of those reasons, uh, he was impotent and he knew it. So he needed to marry a woman that was assumed by everyone. Everyone knew she was infertile. Right. So that it's not Uh, his fault. Yeah. Scapegoats. Again, he really Mm -hmm. needs things to be not his fault. Boy, royal scapegoats are quite the thing during his reign. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, So yeah, Henry's just getting totally crazy. He'll like put someone to death and then go tell them like, oh my God, someone's trying to kill you. Go free. Like just in the most random, like he did it to a Catholic and then he did it to a reformer. So, you know, all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, So he made questionable international decisions also. In 1544, he sends Edward Seymour to attack Scotland. I mean, convince them to be his allies instead of France's allies. Mm. Resulting in a five-year war called... Is that the rough? Is that the rough wooing? The rough wooing. Yes, I love the rough wooing. <laughs> Dude. Wow, okay. that war. I mean, it's a great name. Just <laughs> a really good name. Well, for maybe a war. You, it's yeah, a really it good name. Yeah. yeah. So that war strengthened anti-English sentiments in Scotland so much. It no kind way. of had the exact opposite results Henry was looking for. Are you going to tell us why it was called the rough wooing? I mean, I thought it was obvious. Yeah. He wanted to convince them to be his allies. Rough wooing. Okay, fair enough. I don't know. Yeah. I thought the name the name just explained everything. It's just really funny. It's a great name. That's why I don't need to explain it, because it explains everything. Um, then he gets involved in another war in France for a stupid reason. Uh, well, I mean, going to war with France was pr- practically habitual. Yeah, yeah he just didn't have the money, them. and he did it anyways, which I know kings well, that, love to That do. didn't stop them a lot of the time. No. no. So Henry gets back from war in 1545, having gained nothing, really, besides massive debt and further estrangement from his potential allies. He would quickly start growing annoyed with his wife, now that he was back home. Now, Catherine, she was an intelligent woman, but in the heat of debate, she sometimes forgot that the smartest thing she could do was shut up and agree with Henry. Yep. These slips would provide her enemies with ammunition to get rid of her. And yes, she did have enemies because she was a reformer. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. had the king's ear. So one powerful man who was getting to get rid of her was a Catholic Bishop Gardiner. Um, after one particularly spirited debate about doctrine, Henry begins... In fact, wasn't that guy's name Stephen Gardiner? It was. Mm-hmm. Oh, correct. Shout he was one Stephen. of the ones that... He was one of the ones that Henry... That Catholics came to... Or the Protestants came to him, Henry, and was like, have this guy arrested. He did this horrible thing to you. And Henry was like, oh no, we'll have him arrested, you asshole. And then goes to Gardiner and goes, someone's trying to kill you. I'll save you. Anyways, that was, he did that with Gardner. Um, anyways, so Henry comes to complain to Gardner that it was, quote, appalling to come in mine old days to be taught by my wife. Oh. This is all the incentive Gardner needs because as a Catholic, he dislikes the Reformation for yeah. very valid and deeply considered reasons like Protestantism gave women courage and liberty to talk at their pleasure, end quote. Yeah, that sounds like the 16th century, all right. Yeah. I mean, and today in some players, yeah. in some right. places. But apparently, he was a known misogynist in the 16th century. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh wow. That oh, that must be really bad. Yeah. yeah. Holy moly. The idea of this lowly woman daring to debate gospel with the king infuriates him, so he convinces Henry, Catherine, and several of her other like-minded ladies in waiting should be arrested. And Henry goes, "Okay." Great. <laughs> Yeah, sure, whatever, bro. Somehow, maybe, maybe because of one of Henry's doctors, word of Catherine's impending arrest was leaked to her supporters, and she was able to do some quick thinking to save herself. So first, she puts on this act and becomes so emotionally distressed that Henry has the physician come see her. The physician's a reformer, and he tells Henry her terrible mental distress is caused by the grief she felt that she might have displeased him. 
This is ah, how upset she was. That's, that's a good nice. show. Then she arranges an audience with him and waits for him to ask her a question about religion. Mm-hmm. Then she wisely responds by begging him not to ask her her advice on religious matters since, quote, she was a poor, silly woman, so much inferior in all respects of nature to you. She also then tells Henry she bases all her opinions, religious and otherwise, quote, on your majesty's wisdom as my only acre, supreme head and governor here in earth next under God. That's a good strategy. That is a good one. Lastly, That's a good strategy. Though, lastly, because Henry's not placated yet, okay? Oh, really? She assures okay. him the only reason... Well, he's like, but you argued with me. You disagreed. Yeah, um, okay. She assures him the only reason she presented opposing views was just to help him. She wanted to distract him from his terrible, painful legs. And besides, if she gave an opposing argument, she was able to hear more of his wisdom, which she found so enlightening. <laughs> uh-huh. Great. And yeah. Henry said, wow, is that all it is? Then I love you again. And I'm not <laughs> misquoting. That's exactly how he said it, but just in an old Englishy way. Oh, I love thy again. <laughs> but here's the thing. That's a good bit. Is he didn't tell the Catholics and the Chancellor that he changed his mind about arresting her. Oh. So, so did they arrest her anyways? They tried, but he was with her at the time. And he... He explodes in anger at them and calls them a knave and knave and errant beast, which were apparently vicious insults at the time. Right. And he just yelled at everyone and got so mad at them. Again, this is more this mental illness thing. I told you to do this and now you're doing it. So I'm going to like publicly berate you and dress you down and make you scared. I'll kill you next. Like what? All right. All right. We're going to wrap it up here because the summer of 1546 is the last summer of Henry's life. And he made it a busy one. Mm-hmm. So... He's attempting to get back at Charles V by making treaties with the French and the Germans. That would be not beneficial for the Holy Roman Empire. Haha. He also decides to throw this expensive over-the-top reception for the signing of a peace treaty between England and the Franco-Scots alliance, even though England's bankrupt at this point. So he made his eight-year-old son Edward the official statesman of the ceremony. He sent 80 men with him. He created two new banquet houses at Hampton Court for the French guests and provided them some extravagant party favors. Like... Horses, silver <laughs> like goblets, horse. golden plateware. Like horses. You know, yeah. just nice. take them home with you. They're your party favorites. Go. Cool. Um, so once this peace with France had been established, the Vatican took a shot at bringing Henry and England back into the Catholic fold. You know, lots have changed. Lots, lots has changed. Yep. There's even a new pope now. We're on Paul III. Mm-hmm. So the papal envoy arrives in August to meet the king. They'd been given instructions to ignore everything Henry had ever done wrong, including that unsanctioned divorce and including looting the monsters. If Henry would just admit the Pope was the head of the church. That's it. Okay. Talks actually seem to be going well. But after two months, all of a sudden, the envoy was ordered to leave court immediately. Okay. No reason was ever given. Oh. It just ends. So then Henry is making plans to attack Scotland. And he made these plans so obviously that Scotland's like, oh my god, France, come help. Come help. Come help, France, please. Yep. Um, France pretty much invaded England, but they didn't really. They were like, we could invade you right now. We're standing here at your border. And then they just kind of, like, left. I don't know. Like, it was like a show of force. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, his reason was that he said the Scots broke the peace treaty first. Oh, so, yeah. So we're, the, we're all scapegoats. So the question yeah. is yeah. if he was lying or paranoid or delusional. You know. Why not all three? Yeah. Maybe. In December 1546, he suddenly turns against the Howard family. You remember them. He has the Duke of Norfolk thrown into the tower. He stripped him of all his lands and titles. He has the Duke's son, Henry Howard, 
everyone is Henry, yep. charged with high treason based on what historians call less than credible evidence. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Very diplomatic of here's them. the thing. Why did Henry attack the Howards? Why? Was there someone that had his ear that was swaying him? And maybe. See, it was clear to everyone around Henry at this point that he wasn't long for this world and he was just a sick old man. Yeah. So this really kicked off that background fighting because when Henry dies, Edward's going to take the throne, right? Everyone yeah. Oh boy, that. another underage Edward because it went so well <laughs> last time. Right? Edward's a child. Someone's going to need to rule for him. Someone's going to be the regent. And so basically, to simplify everything, it is the Howards versus the Seymours vying for control. You know, the Seymours are Edward's maternal extended family. Mm-hmm. But Henry Howard actually had a more legitimate claim to the throne than anyone in the Tudor family. Mm-hmm. Which I did not go into because we don't have time. I don't know how that's true. But okay. apparently, apparently Henry Howard had a more legitimate claim to the throne than the Tudors. I, I bet Edward III is to blame for this. It's got to be. It's always him. It's so always him. So here's the thing. Did the Seymours use Henry's rampant growing paranoia to be like, this guy's going to take your throne. This guy's going to take your throne. Better off him. Maybe. Probably. Probably. So Henry Howard is beheaded 19th of January, 1547. It would be Henry's last execution before his death on the 28th of January. Damn. No one knows what killed him. I mean, he passed away in his sleep. He was morbidly obese, which, I mean, I think I remember reading it was like 28 stone. It's in the next episode in a few weeks, so we'll, we'll get it for sure. But yeah, he was real fat, which leads to the guess it was, you know, a heart problem. Sure. Um, there was a grand funeral for Henry, but his body wasn't present. They used a wax sculpture. And does anyone know which one of his queens he was uh, buried with? <laughs> oh, you know, I don't actually know this. No. Was it the first one? No. His remains were interred in the grave of, quote, his true and loving Queen Jane. Oh, the queen uh, who okay. I was with for a very short amount of time, but she gave me a son. That is my thinking. Oh, That's my thinking yeah. of why okay. she's the most important one. Yeah. Well, and also if the Seymours were wrangling to be in charge of things at that time, they would want they that would to want that to happen. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So um, I'm not going to go into what happens today in the show after this because it's turmoil. Edward dies of a health problem quickly. Mary rules, but only for like six years. Then she dies. Things finally calm down when Elizabeth the first. Daughter of Anne Boleyn takes the throne and rules for more than 40 years, and everyone knows about the Elizabethan era, yada, yada, yada. So I'm going to conclude this here with another question, trivia question for you all. Let's talk about how tyrannical he actually was in the end. Um, And to be clear, and Warren, I'm sure you already know this, but there was lots of rebellions, and there were so many important people he also executed along the way, but I did not have time, okay, everyone? This is already long enough. That's so, fair. so what is your guess about how many people Henry executed? How many people did Henry have put to death in his reign? Mm, Three hundred and sixty-four. I want to say ten thousand. Hmm. So, there's two commonly sourced numbers. Yeah. One is fifty-seven thousand. Okay. The other is seventy-two thousand. Mm-hmm. And some mm-hmm. historians mm-hmm. think that both those numbers have to be an exaggeration based on the population of England at the time, but we Which don't have good numbers. Let's just say, surely it's in the five digits. Surely. That is 100%. Most of whom were clergy or lower nobles or 
someone with a slight relation to the throne that might one day mm-hmm. say yeah. they claimed it. Yeah. He also passed into law all sorts of torturous ways to execute people, like that whole hanging, drawing, and courtroom thing. He was on that. was like, in law, I say we should do this whenever someone treasons me. Um, oh, nice. As well as he made a Classy. law that they could be pressed as well, you know, when you're slowly squished to death. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, boiled alive. He passed law without him being boiled alive. Yeah. Right. The old reliables were still used, of course, like the burning, beheading, hanging, all that stuff. But um, he liked to draw the torture. You know, he liked to insist on public venues. He liked to insist on displaying the body parts. What I'm trying to say is, is like, safe to say that at least in the latter part of his life, I would say he did earn that reputation of this brutal tyrant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're king for that long, you got a long time to earn a lot of reputations. Right. It's true. So when you tune back in in two weeks to part three, we're going to talk about, like, what are some of the possible reasons Henry had this change of behavior and health and all these other things. Was it a change? Most people say so. We'll talk about that, too. But there are several theories. And there's uh, there's one pretty cool, cohesive theory that might explain almost everything about Henry. Uh, Ooh, so foreshadowing. So if you're excited to learn what illnesses Henry VIII might have had, you should join us again for our next episode. Warren will be back then as well. I sure will. Yeah, so thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Teach Me Something. Once again, I'm Melissa. And I'm Everett. And I've been Warren. You have I hope been. to continue Probably to be still as well. Are too, yeah. yeah, it's good. And I hope you learned something new. <laughs> <laughs>